Hi everyone, I'm Pamelia Chia and you're listening to the podcast of Singapore Noodles, your go-to destination to learn about real Singaporean food. My guest this week is Aruna, a Singaporean Indian based in Australia. And on today's episode, she takes me on a deep dive of rasam, which is an Indian soup that is commonly consumed as a digestive. Hi Pam. Hi! Oh my god, we've been speaking on Instagram for a while, so it's so nice to get with you and to put a face to the Instagram handle. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about Indian cooking. I feel like Indian cooking is not that well understood in Singapore, but it was something that you always grew up cooking, you know, watching your mom and your, your grandmother. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Um, it's something that I watch mostly with my grandmother and my mom cooking, and especially um, with my mother-in-law as well. So all these three ladies have played a big part in me learning to see how food is made and how food is so tasty, you know, with even the, like, the finest ingredient. Like, um, so back in Singapore and with my family, I was more of a vegetarian person. Until I met my husband and then we started eating meat. So he is like, like, they eat like chicken, fish and everything. But in, at my home, like, we only eat like chicken and mutton and everything. Maybe like once or twice a year for Deepavali. Oh, wow. So all my life I've been eating like vegetarian Indian food per se. But not that I have not been exposed to like chicken rice. And all. Like, when my parents did give me pocket money to like go and buy during primary school and secondary school days in the canteen. But it's not something that we really fondly cooked at home. We were mostly like vegetarian and it was just like for religious reasons. Like, oh, today is a full moon, you need to be vegetarian. Oh, today is like no moon, you need to be vegetarian. Oh, today is Tuesday, you need to be vegetarian. So because like it's, it's a religious thing and we just followed like, my sister and my, myself, we just followed, oh, okay, let's be vegetarian and we just eat vegetarian food. And I have like cousins and family in India as well. Like my uh, grandmother's uh, siblings are still in India. and. Uh, their families, uh, the, the, the culture of eating Indian food is really very different from our Singapore version of eating Indian food. Uh, why I can say that is because like in India, people really wake up early. Like probably the housewife wake up at 4.30, you know, clean the house and start making breakfast for the husbands, the children. So like the breakfast food in India is like completely different. Like you, I mean, I won't say completely different. I would just say it's very vast. Like today they make pose, then tomorrow they make it eat. Then the next day they make like maybe pungal. Then the next day they make upma. Like it's such nutritious food, but they make so much of variety every day. Like if, if, if it is for me, I'll be like... I need to do so much of effort to make breakfast. Like, uh, can we just have bread and butter? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. I can make the rice for lunch, but not in the morning. Yeah, but it's, it's, and when I asked my aunties in India and like my cousins in India, like, they were like, it's, it's such an important meal and you have all the, we all know breakfast is important. So they also agree that breakfast is so important. That's why they add in all, all the vegetables and all the nutritious stuff. And they also, like with modern age people know like things are one thing is better than the other then they try to incorporate it in indian food like there are times when i ask my uh cousins in india and they were like oh today we had rolls roll oats upma like roll oats is something else and upma is something else and they just combine it together and eat it then why why do that and then roll oats is good ma so i just eat that with upma (laughs) but that's so fascinating Uh, i think it it, it is very innovative and I think yeah. used in a Western country, I mean, that's something that I might try, having oats in Upma. Yeah. So it was like, to me, it's like, I cannot ac- accept that 
two different things are going together. But they said, no, actually, it tastes really good. You just need to do the same way you do everything and just add raw oats to your mind. You can eat it with your good chutney or a sambar and you're done and dusted with breakfast and move on with life. Like, oh, that, that's really interesting. So, like, in India, the meals are really, really, I would say, really proper. Like, they'll have a good, proper breakfast, like a idli or a tose or chapati or, like, ukma. And then go for a full Indian thali meal where you have all your seven um, dishes or, or more than that on a banana leaf with your rice, your sambar, rasam, uh, maybe a spicy curry, like a puli kolambe. Uh, and then you might have, like, a few or three or four like side dishes like maybe a beans for real a carrots for real a kutu with a cabbage or maybe a potato masala oh, wow. and then maybe you have a raita like with your yogurt uh, and um, onions and cucumbers and then maybe you will have like a sweet dish like a kesari kesari is a sweet dish or maybe some restaurants they will give like gulab jamun or maybe a palgova like one one of the sweet dishes like either one and then they will have like um what else they have they have a papadam of course and then they finish the meal with a payasam so that's like a indian thali meal that people eat mm. because they are really working so hard they just need to have a good meal that compromises of all the nutrients and proteins and everything and like when you tend to think of Indian food, like um, especially on the vegetarian side, you will wonder like how are they going to get the protein? And people will say, oh, today we make like uh, chickpeas. Chickpeas has protein, so we have chickpeas masala. So you you can find all kind of um, things that you need. So it's not only like Indian um, non-vegetarian meals has a protein. It's actually Indian vegetarian meals also have proteins. The diversity is just mind-boggling. It's like so yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can even have like a cottage cheese, like your paneer. You yeah. can even have like a paneer masala or a paneer gravy uh, in one of those um, small mm-hmm. containers in the tali meal. And that's also going to give you your protein, your calcium and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Rasam is considered as like something that's only eaten as part of a bigger meal. Uh, yeah, it's one of those um, uh, key features in a tali meal. You're right. So usually in a thali meal, you will have like, uh, if you're talking about a vegetarian meal, you will have like sambar and you will have rasam. You will have uh, moru. Moru is actually a watered, watered down yogurt where they temper in with mustard and curry leaves. And you will have like one other curry, like probably a puli kolper or just a spicy curry or, or a, something that's more gravy like. Yeah. And was Russell yeah. something that you grew up eating? Yes, yes. I Like I said, I come from a family where we always ate vegetarian food. Mm. And our home food was always very simple. Like you would have sambar, sambar and rasam and maybe like uh, one other curry. Like maybe a kuma or like a, a, a puli kolambe or something spicy as well. So every day we almost had rasam every every meal. Uh, not not say every meal, but at least for one meal we had rasam. And when I asked my mom and my grandma what was the reason why we are having this every day, they just said that it just helps with uh, digestion, cleans the palate. You know, it's just gonna make you feel better. And when I grew up, I kind of realized actually, yeah, it does. I mean, like it's one of those dishes that I would say. Um, it's not just, um, how do I say, it? one of those dishes where I will say it's just not food. It's a functional food. I would say it's a functional food because it's got so many medicinal properties that I only learned it in my later age, like my early 20s. Then I went, oh my God, this is food that has so much of medicinal properties. Like 
I always used to growl at my mom, Russell again. Why can't you make something else? You know, like she's like, it's the easiest food you can make. I had no time I made rasam today for you. Mm. Yeah, I used to think like why she make rasam every day. She said it's the easiest food to make. It's healthy, it's tasty, and it's easy on your palate and it's good for your digestion. Mm-hmm. And later on, when you you know read up on Russell and I, um, my grandma lives in Canada. So I'll always FaceTime her or call her and ask, oh, we will talk about food. Because like uh, with growing elder, elderlies, I just feel like having conversations with them is the most important thing. So I always talk to my grandma about food. And I, I, I used to ask her like, why do they add this? Why do they add that? Why do they do this? And she's like, uh, some of the reasons she gave me are really understandable. And some of the things she would tell me is like, my mom used to tell me, so I do lot. Yeah. I don't have any definite answer. People tell me must only do it this way, so we do it this way. There's no other way around it. So I was like, okay, I get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and this rasa, I feel like it's one of those niches where uh you could do it in two different ways and you can still turn out with the same product. So what do I mean two different ways? So if you look at rasa, um it's it's not one of those dishes where you start with uh, on the stove top and start cooking and then add in one by dish one by one you know all your ingredients and ta-da, you get that dish that, that is one way to do rasam another way is you can do everything you can assemble all your products in a bowl and then add in your tempered ingredient to it and you still have rasam so back in the olden days when they did not have like a refrigerator or when they did not have like a gas gas per se they used to have cylinders and you know like cylinder consumption uh, is really expensive so they want to like make food quickly but at the same time they get the food done ready for lunch or dinner they used to do it that way so how they used to prepare like my this is my grandma's method uh many years ago she used to tell me that this is how she used to do when she was growing up as like a kid a teenager for her family members so she used to have a pot and she used to put in tamarind and soak the tamarind in water and then juice out that as a base into another container it used to just put in like crushed garlic, yeah. crushed or smashed tomatoes inside. And then um, what they do use usually in India is they, or in Singapore, like is when you make parupu, lentils, when you boil lentils for sambar, there's some water. And that water actually has a lot of nutrients. So they don't want to like put all the water into sambar because you have your lentils inside sambar. So they use this filtered water into the rasam as well. So they pour the water into the rasam. And then they will now take this whole thing and put it on the stove and start letting it come to a boil. And then they add in your crushed cumin and pepper and, you know, your curry leaves, everything. Or in a separate stove, they just use the temper with a bit of oil, mustard, cumin, asafetida, and, you know, dried chili, curry leaf. And they just put it on this whole thing. As soon as it comes to a boil, they add a bit of, like, two or three tablespoons of cold water so that there's no residual heat to this dish. Because, like I said, when we were talking about rasam the other time, I told you, like, rasam is a dish, you can make it or break it because you cannot let it overboil. Once you let it overboil, the, the taste of tamarind will change and it will just not be right. So you cannot let this dish overcook. You know, like, how are some other dish, you can still off it from the stove top and move it away and you can let the residual heat cook it. But rasam, you cannot do that. You cannot let the residual heat continue to do the cooking or else the... The compounds of all the food and the flavor will just not be right, if you ask me. Oh, so this is one that's, that's so interesting because you know, like 
Um, I've come across quite a bit of curries or like stews that actually boil like the tamarind. Like say it has tamarind as an ingredient and they boil it. And you know for us it's so interesting because you know you're saying that it can't have that kind of residual heat. Yeah, correct. I mean, you, you can have a fish curry where you put in tamarind and you boil it, it's fine. But with rasam, you cannot let the dish overboil. As soon as you see like one or two bubbles boiling up already, you know it's like the dish is going to be done already. You cannot walk away from the stove and say, I'm going to do something else. No, you just have to be there. As soon as you see like one or two boils, you stop the stove and you, you know, put in all your tempered ingredient and put in your coriander and transfer it to another dish. It's done. Yeah. So if you ask me, like, the reason why my mom, when she, because my mom was a working mom in Singapore, so to her, it's like the most easiest dish you can come up with in 10 minutes is rasa. And it's a dish that is so healthy. Like, if you ask me, what do you need to have uh, to eat on the side? Like, in India, like, a full tali meal has so many items to eat. Like, whether it's a vegetarian dish or a non-vegetarian uh, meal, right? You can have, like, uh, in a non-vegetarian meal, you can have, like, fried chicken or chicken curry, maybe omelette, um, maybe like a, a ikan belis fry. You can have so many things. But at home in Singapore, this is how I grew up eating. I, I, I had rasam with probably like uh, one veggie and maybe like one fried egg. And that's about it. Yeah. Uh, if you're lucky, you know, maybe we'll have like a potato fry or a packet of potato chips from the store board. You know, like your kalbi chips. Just have it with that. Ta-da! One yeah. meal is done. So what yeah. does rasam really do for your health? Like what kind of functional properties does it have? Okay, so if you want to ask me, like um, rasam actually has a, a lot of varieties that you can do. Um, a lot of variations, uh, sorry. You can do a lot of variations with rasam. Like if you go and ask any Indian woman, you can say that there's so many variations you can do. Like you can do a tomato rasam. You can do like a coriander rasam. You can do like an onion rasam. You can do a ginger rasam. You can even do like a chicken rasam. Yeah, so like I said, it's a very versatile dish. La. It's a very versatile dish that you can do so many things with. Uh, in terms of medicinal properties on what um, rasam can do for your health, right? I would say that let's look at the ingredients in rasam. So the main ingredients in rasam is you need a turmeric base. That means you soak your turmeric and help out the juice, remove the seeds. So that is your base. Uh, you need your cumin seeds. You need your black pepper. Uh, you need um, garlic, turmeric. And I, I would say these are like the main ingredients for rasam. You, you, you can do so many variations and also tomato. Yeah, and also tomato. So these like these five, six ingredients are the main. So you can do any variations you want with just these five, six ingredients. Yeah. So and like to me, I, I, I told you like one method was my grandma doing everything in a bowl. She will assemble everything in a bowl. And then when it's ready, then she will put it on the stove top, let it come to a boil. And another stove, she will like temper the ingredient. There's another method she also taught me in the years because she moved to moved to Canada already so she realized that there's no more gas it's all electric stove mm. so you have to do it a one pot kind of cooking so we do the reverse which is like you put in you put a pot and you put in some oil uh, usually we make with sesame oil but if you don't get sesame oil you can also use vegetable oil uh, sesame oil has a different taste to it so I guess that's, that, that, that's one thing that uh, my grandma used to tell me to use so sesame oil Put in a bit of mustard seed and you let it splutter. Put in a bit of cumin seeds and you let it splutter. 
one or two dried chilies, you break it and you put it in. Uh, a few sprigs of uh, curry leaves, maybe like maybe like 10, 10 leaves, 6 leaves, whatever. You know, you put it in and you like fry it and you put in crushed garlic. You can either crush your garlic or you can actually put in like chopped garlic. Okay, the reason why um, garlic is added in, like there were a few times when I made rasam with no garlic and I asked my grandma, like, is garlic really important? Then she tell me like, yes, garlic is important because garlic actually has this um, compound called allicin. It's called allicin. So it's actually like to reduce the risk of heart-related diseases. Yeah, I would never have known for if not, if I've not asked my grandma, she said that it, it just helps to cleanse your palate. But elsewhere, it's, it's like it's like one of those very simple um, ingredients that makes a lot of depth and flavor to the dish. But it's also so good for you. So I kind of realized, oh yeah, maybe that's why they put garlic in everything. Like Chinese cooking has garlic, Indian cooking has garlic. Like you cannot make a dish without garlic. Yeah, yeah so she told me like, that allicin ingredient is like very important. It kind of reduces the risk of heart-related diseases. And you know, like um, she told me like back in the old days, men used to go and work for so many hours. So it's important for the housewife to cook dishes that um, keeps them strong and healthy and you know, like make sure they don't fall sick. And it's one of also those ingredients that when you have a cold, you need to eat a garlic in a, in a cooked form or you know, in a raw form, whichever lah. But it's important to crush it because there was one or two times when my grandma came over to, kind of, uh, to, to meet me and I was making food and I did not like uh, crush it or chop it. I just take the garlic and put it inside and she started scolding me. She's like, you cannot do that. The whole reason why you need to crush it or cut it is so that the allicin will, that, that, that particular compound will react with food. If you just put it like that, it's not going to react with food. It's like, oh, so, so there is a reason why people do it in a particular way, you know. I was like, okay, that is interesting. So after you add in the garlic, uh, then you can add in your grinded powder. So actually the grinded powder is not very difficult to make. All you need is like one quarter of like fenugreek seeds that you toasted, maybe one dried chili that you toast, one teaspoon of cumin seeds that you toast on low flame and maybe like one one teaspoon or half a teaspoon of black pepper seeds that you toast and you grind it in a jar like to a fine powder that's your rasam powder and you add this rasam powder to your dish that is in the pot and you cook it on a low medium flame until you can smell all the aroma of this spice that you grinded and after that you add in tomatoes so you Put, cut, cut up your tomatoes and you put it in and you mix it together with all the spiced uh, powders and you cover it up and cook it until that tomato becomes mushy. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I, I have seen rasam where the tomatoes are like, the whole, whole piece is just like that. But my grandma used to tell me like, you want the tomatoes to actually be really mushy. You want all of that, that red pigment from the tomatoes to be added into that soup. That, that kind of gives that elevated color to rasam. And if you look at the medicinal properties, of course, we all know like tomato has like D-carotene or something. So you want to get the full nutrients of it. And like even with cooking, like most of the food, you know, you, you cannot cook it for too long or else you will lose the nutrients to the heat. So you want the nutrients to be retained, but at the same time, you want to have the the, the the taste and the tanginess of the tomato to go all into the dish. So that's key to 
for it to be really mushy. Once it's become mushy, then you add in your tamarind base into this and you let it come to a, just a tiny bit of boil. Uh, back in India, my grandma used to tell me that like, uh, they used to make it a bit like a sweet, tangy, sour soup. So to make it sweet, they used to add like a bit of jaggery. Yeah, but today if you don't get jaggery, you can also use like probably like a half a teaspoon of sugar. Yeah, so you just add this uh, as soon as you see the first one or two boils and you're off the stove, add in like two tablespoons or three tablespoons of cold water to reduce the heat, throw in your chopped coriander and transfer the dish to another pot. That's it. And of course, you need to add in salt um, for your taste. Yeah, so if you ask me, the taste is really like a sweet, sour, tangy taste. But it's a, it's a soup of spices, like, really. Wow, I tell you, yeah. my mind is blown right now. Because when I look at recipes online for rasam, it's all so simple. And in my mind, I was thinking, oh, you know, it sounds like quite a plain dish. Um, and yeah. I didn't know what the fuss about it was because a lot of people would be posting about rasam on Instagram and sharing about it. I'm like, you know, it seems like a very simple dish. But when I hear you talk about it, there is so much technique involved. Yeah. And, and one of the key ingredients that I may have forgot to say is also turmeric. So you probably need to add, like, as soon as you put in your turmeric base, right, you probably need to put, like, a like a pinch, as my grandmother said, a pinch. A pinch, if you ask me, it's like a one-eight teaspoon of turmeric. <laughs> like, you know, grandmothers, they probably don't have, like, a, a, a good variety of measurement. They're like, oh, just take as much as you need and you put it in. So when I ask my grandmother how much is good, she says, a pinch. A pinch. I say, how do you define a pinch? Maybe you should say it's like a, probably a one-eight teaspoon of turmeric. And turmeric has this curcumin um, compound, which is really, you want curcumin in your body because like it, it's an anti-inflammatory. So which is why when we come back to talking about wrestling, why it's a medicinal uh, uh, drink or soup per se, right? Um, I would say that every ingredient we added in has if you, if you separate out all the ingredients like one by one like cumin helps with digestion black pepper is something that uh, we asians always have it when we have a sore throat a cold or flu you know or fever and garlic you know you you know that it has the allicin that kind of reduce the risk of all your heart related diseases and cumin is like an anti-inflammatory like when coronavirus came about, right, I used to see Instagram and like fast-forwarded messages from my family members like saying that everybody must take turmeric already because it's anti-inflammatory. It's going to save you from coronavirus. <laughs> like as cliche as it sounds, but yeah, it's, it's true in a way that it's anti-inflammatory, but whether it's going to save you from coronavirus is a different thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and coriander, it's, it's going to help you with digestion. And um, as I, like I said, turmeric. Turmeric on its own, like the original turmeric has a lot of seeds on it. And it actually is, um, um, what do you call it? It's a, it's a palate cleanser, I would say. And it has a lot of antioxidants that people do not know. Like my grandmother used to say that like now we get turmeric from the store. It's a lot of processed version. But back then, they used to just make rasam in a cup and drink it. And that rasam drink is meant to keep them warm and you know healthy yeah but today hardly anybody will drink rasam like that i mean you can still go to a shop and you know you get a rasam in a, one of those tali meals with like a small cup you can still drink it it's not wrong 
But hardly you see people do that these yeah. days. Yeah. But my grandma used to say that nowadays you get more processed food. Like your tamarind is really processed. Back then you get it really raw. Like it's really, really hard. Like it's rock. That you have to soak it in water like for a good like 15 to 20 minutes. And then, you know, the, the, the seeds will come off and you can like strain the pulp. But today you get it in a paste form like... Yeah, I'm in Australia. I cannot get tamarind with the seed. It's usually in a paste form. And I just take it out from the bottle and I put it in. Mm. Yeah, so so whether the antioxidants still retain in a processed product is another question. But I will still think that on a whole, the dish is still a functional food, if you ask me. It yeah. has all the benefit it needs. And like my daughter, if she falls sick, or if myself or my husband falls sick, the only meal that we make is rasam. Like, because I know it's going to keep you warm. All the ingredients like black pepper and cumin is going to keep you warm. It's going to keep you healthy and, you know, like water off all the viruses. Yeah. yeah. And within one or two days after eating rasam, right, we'll feel like all the running nose is gone, the cold is gone. We feel much better. It, it, it could be psychological, it could be scientific, but it's just that I feel like this, this dish is so easy to make, but it's a make it or break it dish. If you overboil it, that's it. It's gone really. Mm. And do you feel yeah. like children... Uh, take to the dish very easily like your daughter do you think she enjoys it oh if i i would say it i would tell her that uh this is a soup and i give it to her with soup and rice she eats it mm. yeah and if i'm going to make it for a child obviously i'm not going to add all the uh chili peppers a lot yeah i probably would like only put one piece of chili pepper i will not add more but if it is just for myself and my husband i would probably add more on the chili like, mm. because we, we really like it to be a, a i really like the chili's pungency to be in the, the soup it it really adds a very different dimension like when you add one or two more extra dried chili you can really taste that spice but it's sweet still tangy yeah it's really a tangy and a spicy soup with all that um, crushed cumin and crushed black pepper and with your dried chili that you break and put it in that the spice would have all go deep down into that soup it's really amazing really. Yeah. yeah but when i make it for my daughter i will of course tone down on the spice because she, she's not going to be very happy if I make something spicy for her. <laughs> yeah, and would you serve this at room temperature or would you serve it hot like a typical soup? Uh, I would say room temperature is actually fine. And like I said, like um, back then in the olden days, my grandma used to make it with the leftover water from the lentils that she cooked for sambar. Even that water you can add or you can even add a bit of that lentils and make it as a lentil recipe. Oh, wow. So many variations. It's really amazing. Mm. But what is yeah. the defining trait of a rasam? Like, what makes rasam rasam? What makes rasam rasam? I think it's, it's really just that few ingredients. If you, yeah. if you don't have that few ingredients, you cannot make it. You need to have your cumin. You need to have your black pepper. Mm. Uh, you need to have your, like, um, turmeric, turmeric and garlic. Mm. This is what makes rasam. If you don't have this few... Uh, I don't think so it will be called rasam. Mm. Probably just a, a simple soup. You know, so many people in Singapore who are not from the Indian community, why do you think they don't know about rasam? Because it's not something um, so easily found. Like, you know, if you go to a Indian mama shop, you can probably get a roti prata, you know, a kose, a idli, a chapati. And these are like uh, bread kind of food. Or you can buy a 
rice, you know, your nasi padang, in the Indian mama shop, you can have rice, your curry and everything. But hardly people will want to like buy rasam on its own and have it with rice. I hardly see that. Yeah, and and I feel like it's such a flavorful dish, but maybe it's it has lost its um authenticity. I would say it's either people feel like it's not so important to keep it in one of those uh shops, mm. or they feel like it is just really undervalued. Like, I would say it's really undervalued. Like yeah. shop owners feel like it's not necessary to keep rasam in one of those uh containers where they display food. But if you go to like a a restaurant in uh, Little India in Singapore, like uh, Ananda Bhavan or Komala Villas, and you order an Indian Thali meal, or even any other restaurants, and you order like a proper Indian Thali meal, you will see rasam there. I'm sure they will not give you an Indian Thali meal without rasam. It will be one of those things there for sure. And do you feel it tastes like what you tasted from your grandma or what you make at home? Um, of course, there there is a slight variations to it, lah. I would say, like um, different people we make it differently, yeah. But like with, with like the one that my grandma makes, which when I compare it to my version, of course, I will feel like my grandma's cooking is still the best. Like even though we all we both have the same ingredients, sometimes is the preparation makes a huge difference. Mm. And and of course, when it comes from my grandma, I feel like be it my grandma or my mom or even my mother-in-law when they make it i feel like oh there's so much of love in it and i'm like i'm maybe i'm just making it for the sake of making it <laughs> i don't know but it, it, even though it's the same ingredients it's sometimes it's the way they make it is so different oh, and i feel like that, that uh, uh, yeah is is i feel like even though we all have the same ingredients and you know like my grandma tells me all the recipes the, the step-by-step process but when i taste hers i feel like hers is better it could be a psychological thing or what I do not know, but it, it definitely tastes much nicer. Oh, that's yeah. so heartwarming. <laughs> yeah, but when we talk about uh, in restaurants, um, I don't know. Um, there are a few restaurants where I felt like the flavor and the depth of the rasam was really amazing, and like um, in Singapore and in India. You can make rasam, like I said, you can have so many varieties. So there's one restaurant that I probably had nandu rasam. Nandu is crap, crap rasam. And I really felt like the, the juice of the, the rasam went all the way into like all the flesh of the crab. And it really tasted so good. I felt like that was a good rasam, yeah. So sometimes um, I feel like in restaurants, it's really watered down and you can't taste the tanginess, the spice, the cumin, and the black pepper. You know, it's rasam. It's just there. But you probably feel like it's not really um, good enough. They probably just added water and, you know, water it down or something. Yeah. But th- there are one or two restaurants where I have had in Singapore. And I'm like, that was really a good rasam. I think I need to go for a second round or a third round. Oh my god! Yeah, so so, so that there there are places that in Singapore. I will not say that this is a dish that people don't make it well in restaurant. No, I'm not gonna say that. Uh, I have had instances where like I realized that there are really good restaurants that I even went to like ask, "Can I see the chef?" And I really said, "Oh my god, that was one of the best crab restaurants I had." Thank you, thank you so much. Can I just order one more? Like it was really heartwarming and it was really tasty. It's like you you know that it was so well done was really well done you, you just need to see that person who made him and like thank him for the food that they gave you it's, oh it's one of those moments i've had yeah 
Because wow. I'm a I'm I, I'm a huge fan of Indian vegetarian food. So like even I I and I'm a person um even from Singapore I I can go to a restaurant and you know sit by myself and eat the food take my time to eat and you know like dwell into the food like is this done properly what what would have it made it different like if I order a meat food I would wonder oh it's so tasty but I feel like at the back of it I can taste the ajinomoto so mm-hmm. maybe that would yeah it it, it happens like. Uh, people still add in ajinomoto to their food, knowing that it's not so good for you. But it it gives you the the taste. Yeah, I feel like oh, it's so tasty. But I can feel like that is ajinomoto. Yeah, yeah. But in in a dish like rasam or sambar, people are not going to add in your ajinomoto. But it may come out nice, or it may not come out nice. It's really different. Um, really di- different in the sense that they may have. Water it down, or it could have been leftovers from the day before. You you never know, you know. Like restaurants is just different, but when you make it at home, you can really do it slowly and you know step by step. And you're like, oh, this is how it is done. And when you have a nice meal, you like I tell you, it's such a simple dish that you do not need many things. All you need is just one fried egg, fried egg, and maybe like a potato masala or raita. You're done. You can really, or, or even a fried fish. If you have a fried pomfret or fried snapper or fried any any kind of fish, you just fry it with a bit of turmeric and chili powder, and with salt, you fry it, pan fry it. You're done. You don't need so many kind of um side dishes to eat rasam. It's so simple that you can even have one omelette and a bit of a, a bottle jar of pickles at the yeah. side. It's also can. You can even eat like me with a kalbi potato chips. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, yeah. Luna, this has been such an education for me. I can't wait to, you know, get back into my kitchen and start cooking rasam for the first time ever in my life. Really, thank you so much, Pam. Thank you. There wraps up another episode of the Singapore Noodles podcast. My guest on this show was Aruna Shamuga Vadive. She actually very kindly provided her recipe for rasam. So if you'd like to give it a go, the recipe is on the website. I made it and it was delicious. If you'd like to sign up for the weekly newsletter to get updates and more cooking tips, then visit sgpnoodles.substack.com or you can sign up through our website. Once again, thank you so much for all the support towards Singapore Noodles and I'll catch you all next week.